What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. All right, where are my morning people at that are in the house? Like, yeah, okay, I don't trust any of y'all. Where are the other people at that you're like, no, mornings don't work for me? I Listen, don't misunderstand me. I love you morning people. I just don't understand you morning people. Never once have I ever had the alarm go, go off and been like, huh. A beautiful day ahead of me today. I'm always like, snooze. (laughs) Snooze. And it's really bad right now because my wife and I are on a little different schedule. Three days out of the week, she has to get up a lot earlier than I do. And I'm really mean. I apologize to her and to everyone. I'm awful. So I'm like, hey, can you just set like everything out? Like everything. I mean everything, your clothes, your toothbrush, put it in the guest bathroom. (laughs) Like When the alarm goes off, babe, I will lovingly say good morning. And then could you leave? (laughs) Pray for me. More importantly, pray for my wife. That's who you need to pray for. I'm just not a morning person. And it's a whole situation right now because we've got two puppies. One of the puppies in particular, my puppy, is a handful They're both our puppies, but I'm telling you, Charlie is totally Livy's dog, and Nellie is totally my dog. And if you've been to the house, if you follow us on social media, that's just, that is what it is. The problem is my dog is, she apparently inherited my high-maintenance-ness as a dog. And I haven't fully processed how that works, but Livy's like, amen, preach it. Say that, pastor, preaching good. But Nellie has this problem where when she gets up, she's ready, like ready to go. And praise God, we're past the stage where she just goes in the crate, right? Like we're, we're beyond that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if you have dogs, you totally understand what I'm talking about. But in the winter, I really struggled with this, like learning this and figuring this out. Because like I said, I'd snooze the alarm a couple times, lovingly pat my wife on out of the room, go back to sleep, snooze the alarm another time. And then I'm waking up and I'm running late and I'm totally in a daze. I'm like, okay, we got to go. I get up, I open the crate to let Nellie out, and then I go into the room, and I'm getting dressed, trying to get my shoes on and stuff so I can tie the dogs outside. By the time I get there to the door, she's already gone at the door. So I've got to clean up what's happened to the door, and I've got to let the dogs outside, and they go outside, but then they come back inside, and at this point, I'm dressed, and I'm ready to go to work for the day. Nine times out of ten, Nellie will come in the house and jump on me, and I'm now muddy. So I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So now instead of like 10 minutes late, I'm 15 minutes late because i got to change clothes. I come back inside. She's tracked mud. Charlie's tracked mud all through the house. There's stuff everywhere. I clean all of that off. I go back in, try to make the bed. It's a whole situation just trying to get out of the house, trying to get up in the morning. Starts like something that normally you just turn the alarm off and you get going. But how many of you know that sometimes things escalate kind of quickly? And what started as just a normal day and I'm just going to leave the house, 11 things tumbled and dominoed into me being an hour late and now I'm angry at my dogs 
and I'm frustrated because I feel like I didn't sleep enough, even though I slept a couple hours longer than my wonderful wife did. So I'm being hymenous, I'm being cranky, I'm being whatever, but it started one way, it ended up in another. Today, I want to talk to a group of people that know what it looks like for bad to turn into worse. Bad to worse. Now, I know it like it preaches good at first, but I want it to hit here because it's hitting here for me right now. There are times in life where you're rolling with the punches and you're just trying to make it work and you get a flat tire. You're like, no! <laughs> you're immediately angry, bad day automatically. Like you got one problem, it's an issue. But what do you do when that bad tire isn't the only thing going on? When you were already an anxious mess when you got up that day, when you've got a family member that's sick and struggling, when it feels like when it rains, it pours. I want to talk to a group of people tonight that have been going through some stuff for a minute. And I know that's a lot of us because this whole, there was this thing that happened in March of 2020. Maybe you heard about it. And it kind of like messed up the world for a little while. And I think we're just starting to deal with the mental aspect of what happened back then. Because we've all been living off the adrenaline rush of just trying to make it work and get through life and all the things. And now like we're trying to figure out normalcy and everybody's losing their minds. Look around, check the news, check social media. We're all losing our minds. There's another freaking wildfire. It's like the world is falling apart right now. What do you do? when it's raining and pouring, when bad gets worse. Tonight, I want to go to the book of Joshua. We're going to start in chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. It's pretty early on in the Bible. And I want to get a couple things straight before we dive into the word. One, when you receive Jesus, you are adopted into the family of God, right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good preaching, Pastor. Preach it. Amen. Hallelujah. When you accept Jesus, you are adopted into the family of God. Ephesians says, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. And this is why I mention this. When we read the Bible, when we read the Old Testament and it talks about the Israelites, that's us. That's the family that we've been adopted into. When you go and you look at Old Testament scriptures, New Testament scriptures, and you see these things that the living word of God says that are promises, that are truths, you stand on that because that's to you as well. So when the Old Testament says he will never leave you nor forsake you, like by God, he'll never leave me nor forsake me because he adopted me. I'm part of this family. Amen. All right, here we go. Our story tonight. So we'll start in uh, Joshua chapter nine, and we're going to kind of move through as we go. God has promised this, quote-unquote, promised land to the Israelites. If you know anything about the Christian faith, you know that this is like a lot of the Old Testament, a lot of Christian faith was kind of based around this idea that there was a promised land that God had given to these people. The problem was they wouldn't live in covenant with Him long enough to get to the promised land. So a lot of years have gone by, a lot of things have gone down. They finally got into the promised land, and it's inhabited by other people. So Joshua is the story of this man named Joshua, who is leading the Israelite nation now, as God is giving them favor and helping them win all of these wars to take the land that God has promised to them. 
Early on in Joshua, you see the, the walls of Jericho. And if you saw the VeggieTales version, you can see that picture as we go. But the walls of Jericho, the people, God tells them to do the craziest thing. They walk around it for a few days in complete silence, and then they scream like crazy, and the walls fall, and God gives them victory. It's a God miracle that takes place, and they take this city. Well, then they move from there to a city called Ai and a couple other places, and they win all these victories. And because of that, the surrounding cities are getting super nervous. Can you imagine? Like, man, this group of people that is known publicly as God's people are showing up and taking land. <laughs> they're whipping everybody. They're taking over. So this group called the Gibeonites. Turn to your neighbor and say, Gibeonite. Gibeonite. There's no reason for that. It's just really funny to hear you say it. <laughs> the Gibeonites, the, in fact, the Bible says that they, uh, they decided to, they came to a ruse. That's the terminology. They came to a ruse. Turn to your neighbor and say, ruse. I dare you to try to find a way to use that in a sentence this week. Bible says that the Gibeonites came to a ruse. And what they did is they decided to put on a bunch of old clothes to take old wineskins and molded bread and to come up to Joshua and the Israelites. So they roll up to town hoping they can get them to come into covenant with them by believing that they're actually from far away. So they go through all of these obstacles, all the hoops to make it look like they've been traveling for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they come to Joshua now they say, hey, we have heard of your fame from way over there. We're not close. We're way over there. And we want to come into covenant with you so that you won't take our land. Joshua is like, well, that totally makes sense because God promised us this area and y'all are from that area. So he goes into covenant with them before God with all the Israelites. Problem number one, Joshua made a decision without praying about it. So if you're going to write something down, it's a pretty, pretty simple one. Don't make a decision without praying about it. And I'm not saying that you've got to take like three months in the prayer closet and pray and fast every day. Sometimes God will have you do that. But there are times in life when a situation will come up that if you would just pause for a second, it could save you some trouble. How are you going to know where to go if you don't use the GPS? I think oftentimes like, God, take me to the promised land. Take me to the promised land. But then we don't ask him the way to get to the promised land. This one decision makes a huge impact on the Israelites. On paper, they come into agreement with this one group. Hey, y'all backstage, help me out real quick. This one group, they've got this whole territory, this whole world, and now they've come into covenant with one group. Not a big deal. One group. But what happens is things get way, way worse really, really quickly. When you continue on in the story, in Joshua chapter 10, they're now in covenant with this group. And check out what happens in verse 1. It says, Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and hear this, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. So word has happened or has got around that this has happened. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai 
and its men were good fighters. I'm going to keep reading. It says, so Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoam. We're going to go with that. Hoham? Hoam? Hoham. He appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhiah, king of Lachit, and Debir. I feel like we should do these in an accent. It would make us so much better. <laughs> the southern accent makes us better. And Deber. And Deber, king of Eglon. Hear this. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. So then the five kings, turn your neighbor and say five. The five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The other cities have heard what's happened, and now they have five. Joshua's decision to allow one turned into five more happening with them. Y'all give it up for the stage hands. And what started is just <laughs> comic relief, boys. That's what I like to hear. What started as just one has turned into a real problem. And again, we read these stories, and it's super like abstract. It's just out there. To us, we read it, and it's just a story. But process for a moment that this is a real nation. That their leader said, hey, God gave us this land. Let's go out there and take this land. And because he made a mistake, they have five armies coming against them. There are times in life when one bad decision goes from bad to worse really fast. And I don't know what your home life was like. I don't know what um, growing up was like for you. But there are times when your parents' one bad decision can carry on for generations. When we do counseling at the church, when we meet with people through the church... Nine times out of ten, when somebody says, yeah, my marriage is struggling, there's verbal abuse in it, nine times out of ten, that happened in the parents' marriage and in the grandparents' marriage. When somebody says, I'm struggling with an alcohol addiction, nine times out of ten, their parents did. Generational curses is a real thing. It's a real thing. That junk carries on to children and children and children. So if you're wondering why parents have been singing that blessing tune, so fervently for the last little while, it's because some of that stuff is getting broken off. And my family and their children and their children and their children won't be anxious. Amen? Won't be addicted. Amen? Won't walk in bondage. Won't walk in shame. Won't walk in condemnation. Not in my house. But see, one bad decision turned into five armies coming against them. The story of what happens... Oh. The story of what happens is so cool. The Bible says that um, Joshua had the men walk all night. They walk all night to roll up against these five armies and to fight the war. And Pastor Jeremy preached this in our main service a couple months ago because the scene that takes place is bananas. And you can quote me on that. What happens is they go into this war full on battle. 
And Joshua says, sun stands still. And it does. And the day just extends and they win the war. The Bible says that this crazy storm broke out and that massive hail started falling down on their enemies and more of the enemy was killed by the hail from the storm that God caused than by the swords of the Israelites. God showed up and fought for them in a big way and they actually went stinking war. And what blows my mind is that this started as something that they caused. Because if they hadn't allowed this to happen, they could have snuck up on these issues. These nations that came at them, they had an open door. And for some of us, like I said, it it may have not been our even decision. It may have been a parent's decision. Some of us weren't dealt great hands. We started this thing off with an issue, with an addiction, with a bondage. But by the grace of God... All of this gets pushed out of the way. And they are a step closer to claiming the territory that God had called them to have. God shows up in a big way, moves on their behalf in a scene that was their fault. A miracle takes place and they've got the land they were supposed to have. And God's people said, amen, right? And they victory stomp and shout and it's like, wow, we did it. And this is when normally... The pastor says, stand to your feet, children of God. And we pray and we go home and we celebrate the victory that God has given us. But look at how crazy this is. The very next chapter. And Joshua chapter 11. Jabin, king of Hazor. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jabin. This guy also hears about what the Israelites are doing, and about what just went down. And this guy calls 11 kingdoms. He sends word to 11 other groups to have them come join in the fight, to have them come be involved. Have you ever been in a position where you finally felt like you made some ground on the anxiety stuff you've been dealing for a little while? And you're like, man, we won the battle. We, we doing things, church. We pushed that out. I finally broke up with that crazy girl, right? You're like, well, God is good. We're moving forward. We're taking land. God's giving me territory, and we're celebrating. We're praising. And then the five issues you just dealt with turned into 12. And all of a sudden, the land that you're dealing with, phew, just keeps getting messier and messier and messier. I want to talk to some people tonight. Um, Yeah, I want to talk real to some people tonight that are currently going, God, I thought we were making progress. And now I'm drowning. I thought we were finally, like we were here. This was a new season. I was singing the Israel New Breed song. It's a new season. Right? We were there. We were moving forward. And now I'm worse off than I was before. And this time, it's not their fault. This time, they are doing the things God called them to do. They are literally in this position because they obeyed God 
to go fight and take this land. I'm not going, maybe y'all don't know. Maybe you've never been in a position where you feel like you tried to serve the Lord and you ended up way worse than you started. If you're getting pushback, it's probably because you're making progress. This is what's so wild. The Bible says in Joshua 11 verse 4, it says, They came out with all their troops. This is all these kingdoms that have joined together. They came out with all their troops and a large number of horses and chariots. A huge army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. All these kings joined forces. And made camp together at the water of Merom to fight against the Israelites. Are you kidding? As many as the sand on the seashore? Like, Lord, I can't handle that many things. If you are in the room, you're going, man, I felt like I finally had this and now I'm here. And let me be honest. If you lost a job, if you're struggling with anxiety, fear, depression, oppression, thoughts of suicide... The relationship scene ain't going so hot for you right now. You're flunking out of classes. This is real life stuff. You've got a a sick family member or you've lost a loved one. When life hits, it hits hard. If you're in a situation and you're frustrated and honestly, sometimes frustrated at God. How did we get here? Oh, I'm going to read you something, church. It says in Joshua 11 chapter or verse 20. For it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel. Why? So that he might destroy them totally. Exterminating them without mercy as the Lord had commanded Moses. As I was praying and getting ready for this week, this is the word that I felt like the Lord wanted me to give you. There are some of us in the room that are dealing with this situation where it feels like there's 12 kingdoms and all hell has broken loose against us and we just don't know what to do and how to handle it and how to figure out what to do with all of this. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you tonight, yeah, I know, I caused it. I'm allowing it to happen because this territory is the territory that I have called you to take. And God helps them win the war against an army that was as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They are outnumbered. They're outstrength. They don't have what they need to win this war, but they have God. And he said, this is the promised land I want you to have. If you're here tonight, you're like, yeah, I've been fighting that battle. I've been dealing with all that. Let me encourage you because chapter 12 didn't look so good or chapter 11 didn't look so good. But you know what happens in chapter 12? The enemy's been wiped out. And the entire chapter tells the story of all the victories that were won. Stage hands, help me out one more time. What started as just a ton of stuff going on in chapter 12, we have a legitimate testimony list. And instead of it being something that started as just inhabiting our land and coming against us, by the time we get to chapter 12, it's just a massive testimony of God's goodness. If you came in here tonight and you're going, yeah, I was struggling with anger and I finally thought I was getting somewhere and then there was gossip 
And then there was heartbreak and failure and lust. And you're going to go, hear me clearly. Tonight, I believe there's a night of breakthrough. God wasn't okay even with them allowing the one thing to be in the camp. And he let it get so bad that they were crazy outnumbered with all 12 of these issues going on because he was about to exterminate them completely. If you are stuck where you are, I believe God wants to set you free tonight. I believe tonight could be a night that we look back and go, man, that last day of March in 2022, when I thought I was completely overwhelmed and there was no way I was getting out of this mess, God showed up. And what started as something that was in my land ended as something that's just a testimony of the glory of God in my life. If you'll stand to your feet all around the house. I believe God wants to take the enemies that have been overwhelming us and defeat them entirely tonight. Like I said at the beginning of the night, if you're in the room and and you've lost hope, you've been praying to get free from that addiction for a long time, let that hope stir inside you again because there's something happening in the room tonight. Go ahead, pray again anyway. Ask for prayer anyway. If you've been dealing with anxiety, fear, depression, and it's like it just circles around you, it's just this dark cloud, and as soon as you start doing better, something goes wrong, and you end up where you started, let's go ahead, let's lean in. Let's lean in tonight, because I believe God wants to do something real in your life. The Bible says in John 10.10, that though the enemy would come to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus came that you could have life and have it abundantly. And he's so passionate about that that he would allow all the stuff happen at the same time and come wipe it all out in one moment. In one moment. So with eyes closed, heads bowed across the room. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm looking at the boxes and I've got one of those in my life. I've got multiple of those in my life. And tonight I want it to be a night where I leave that at the altar and don't pick it back up. I'm telling you guys, I feel it in the room. There's an anointing for change. There's an anointing for healing, for peace, for freedom. So if you've been sick for a long time, if you've been addicted for a long time, if you're struggling with just being overwhelmed in life, we've got prayer team members that are coming down to the altar, but if you don't want anybody to pray with you, you don't even have to have anybody pray with you because I believe there is something happening in the room tonight where there can be healing where there can be freedom or where there can be peace. If that's you and you're in the house and you're going, yeah, I thought I was doing better or I was just trucking right along and then things got way worse and I'm overwhelmed and I'm a little frustrated and tonight I need the Lord to move on my behalf. If that's you, will you throw a hand up for me with nobody else looking around? Amen, 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 amen. I see those hands, hands up everywhere. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you Honestly, everybody in the room, Oasis is going to be a house of prayer. This is going to be a family that prays. So whether you put a hand up or not, I want to encourage you to just step out of where you're sitting right now. To maybe come to the altar or off to the side to kneel at your seat to find a place where you can pray for a moment. Because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your heart right now. Lord, we need you. 
more than we need another song, more than we need another sermon, more than we need another counseling session. We need you, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are faithful to fight our wars. God, I thank you that when it was the five kings and it was a mistake that they had made, God, you still showed up. You caused the sun to stand still. You destroyed the enemy against them. God, when it was 12 kingdoms and more enemies than they could count, you moved on their behalf and you gave them victory. And I thank you tonight that we can stand on your word for victory. In the name of Jesus, I declare victory. I rebuke anxiety, fear, depression, suicide, oppression, all the things I rebuke it off of this house. The abuse, the gossip, the lies, the hate, the anger, the addictions, the bondage, I rebuke it off of this house. In the mighty name of Jesus and in that name alone. God, we give you our attention, we give you our worship, and we declare the name of Jesus over every battle and over every enemy.